0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Liz Eddy, the co-founder and CEO of Lantern. Lantern is a venture-backed public benefit corporation on a mission to change the way we talk about and manage end of life and death. They offer free custom roadmaps to make sure you or a loved one have everything in order, whether you're pre-planning or recently lost someone. Lantern has all of the tools, resources, and services you need to confidently manage the situation while processing the loss of a loved one. I'm so excited to get into this. Thanks, Liz, for joining us today. Um, we're so happy to have you on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I, it's, it's always amazing when anyone kind of in the wellness industry starts to see you know end of life and and death support as as a part of it we've always been kind of siloed in our own corner so it's amazing to kind of bring bring it out of our out of our category and into kind of the larger consciousness
0: yeah that's you know what we believe is um you know wellness is not just like the way you move and the food you eat it's every aspect of your life and how you manage it and and also how you manage your mood, right? And so when you're grieving, when you recently lost a loved one, or when you wanna plan and kind of feel a sense of relief of like when you have something planned, if you have kids and what you're gonna do, I mean, it just um, kind of helps you let go a little more. There's not much we can control in life, but these little things are really helpful and having a tool like yours, it's incredible that you have You've gone forward with starting this company. We've had a couple people on to chat about, you know, planning, death planning, and we've had like a death doula on before a while ago, and then someone else who just kind of helps with cremation or non-toxic options in that sense and helping us kind of navigate different things. But I, I came across Lantern, I think on social media and was just like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we need because when I've had those conversations, it always goes back to like, if things are pre-planned, it's just so much easier for loved ones. And you can really focus on like what you need to do, which is grief rather than going through the like planning process and trying to figure out what that person wanted. And so um, I'm really excited to just like learn more from you about Lantern. And I know that you have a past, a history of being in social ventures, I know it started at a young age when you were just 15. I know that you were also part of the founding team of Crisis Text Line, which I think it's an incredible organization. I had the opportunity to listen to one of the found. I think the founder is a woman. I, I listened to her at a conference, and I was so inspired by her. So, I'd love to kind of chat a little bit about your background before lantern and and then what led you to found lantern
1: yeah yeah well you did a fantastic job researching <laughs> i i i actually yeah i started my my first um social venture when i was 15 and um, i've definitely always been someone who's very hyper aware of uh, how i spend my time and i think that was. Largely influenced by you know, watching my dad when he was in his early 30s get diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I'm 32 now. And uh, and you know, since he died when I was nine, I've always been just hyper aware of the fact that like time, like you have on Earth, is not a given. Um, you have to spend it uh, in the way that is fulfilling for yourself. That is bettering the world. That is uh, you know spent. Loving people and being kind. And that's always been kind of ingrained in my, I guess, DNA. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up founding this social venture with two friends when I was 15 that was entirely meant to be a a kind of one-time thing. Uh, We realized that there wasn't proper education around dating abuse and domestic violence in my high school and uh, wanted to do something about it, wanted to educate our peers. It affects one in three young people. Um, It's an extremely taboo topic. And uh, it ended up, we put together this organization and a couple of events and started working with the local shelter. And uh, suddenly our program was getting picked up all over the US and started getting picked up abroad. was covered in a lot of major media, and and um, and I just completely fell in love with you know primarily the mission driven element, but also just the the pace and variety of starting something. I I really love that early stage unknown. You have to learn everything on the fly. I've always felt very confident in my ability to find people who are experts in lots of different categories and feeling very comfortable with learning from them. I think that's one of the biggest things in starting anything is you can't, you really shouldn't have a huge ego uh, because we can't, as founders, know how to do everything well. We kind of have our our areas of expertise and then you surround yourself with really smart, capable people um, who help to grow and and evolve what you're doing. And so when I graduated from college, I, I was still running the organization and kind of starting to step out of it, it's actually been running now for over half of my life, uh, but I haven't been involved in, in quite a while. and. Uh, wanted to start to learn from other entrepreneurs about how to how to really develop a startup from scratch, uh, well beyond what I, I learned as a high school student, <laughs> and um, and started working at an organization called Do Something right out of college. I was an executive assistant, um, and really just was able to get in the weeds on a lot of different projects and, and concepts, and learn about fundraising and uh, and crisis text line was a conversation right as I was starting. It was actually an intern first and then an assistant. Uh, it was an early conversation and uh, I raised my hand and said, you know, I, I really would love to help Develop the um, initial go-to-market strategy for Crisis Text Line. I really believed in the the concept of making mental health support um, accessible, affordable, and and just removing you know, the taboo nature around mental health. And this was already happening kind of on a, a, a national scale, a global scale of, of conversations around mental health becoming more common, a lot more research coming out. It was definitely becoming a hot topic. But at that beginning stage, there wasn't a ton happening. Uh, digitally, it was still a lot of you know in-person therapy, and um, so end up developing the go-to-market strategy, and being quite literally on the ground, knocking on doors in Chicago and El Paso or two launch cities, sharing the information about land about sorry about Crisis Text Line, and really um, learning from high schools, the mayor's office, local mental health organizations about how to get. This service in the hands of people that need it right when they need it, and learned a ton from that process. Ended up working on a communications, brand, business development for about seven years, and during that time frame, I was working also with children um, who are grieving the loss of a loved one through an organization called Experience Camps, uh, and caregiving for my grandmother at her end of life. So. I would always known I wanted to start something. I, it wasn't immediately obvious to me you know, as a child that it was going to be in the end of life and death space, <laughs> but I had always been really deeply passionate about the topic, particularly from a grief perspective. And then once I was in the shoes of a caregiver, I started to realize just how complex the logistics are around end of life, around you know legal considerations, financial planning, learning about someone's history and legacy, uh, and then even like things that seem very sort of simple and you know non important like you know digital accounts and passwords and uh, subscriptions and prescriptions and you know all these things that we sort of think oh I'll figure this out later it's not important suddenly become hours and hours worth of time after somebody dies if you haven't sorted through that information so when my grandmother passed away I got a phone call I went to her retirement facility and was met by two police officers a nurse and her body and they looked at me and said what do you want to do and i was 27 at the time and i had absolutely no idea what was supposed to be done and i pulled out my phone i googled what do you do when someone dies uh, i assumed lantern already existed it it just seemed like a very sort of obvious solution that you know at every other life moment, whether it's, you know, getting married or having kids or buying a house or buying a car, choosing a credit card, whatever it is, there are these solutions that really cover end to end everything you need to know. And then for the one thing that impacts every person on the planet, multiple times throughout their life, um, including to our own lives, it was just a highly fragmented and confusing space. And I, I always like to remind people, that, like, there's no lack of innovation in this category. There are tons of amazing companies doing incredible things in the space. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, Death Doulas and uh, Cremation and Alternative Solutions, and there's, you know, online will willmakers and, and grief counseling. And you can find everything on every corner of the map. There's a problem I recognize is that the average person doesn't know how to find this information or even know what to call it like a lot of people don't know what a desktop is and if they knew they would probably want to use it Um, but they're just not aware that it's even available to them. And so when we first started developing Lantern with my my co-founder Alyssa and our technical lead Shay, it really was about okay, how do we look at this really from a user perspective of a singular experience of, you know, my my mom is dying, my mom has died. Those that's how an individual user looks at the space. And so how do we make it so that they can navigate it exactly through the lens that they're taking it versus you know sending someone to 35 different websites to try to figure it out
0: yeah i love it i love the concept i think that it's needed and i'm excited to learn more about all of it there are so many things in there that i i love that you shared and i completely agree in terms of being a founder and not having an ego because it's really everyone else that's helping you on this mission together and (laughs) not one person is doing everything. And yeah, it's a beautiful story about how you ended up in this space. It makes so much sense. I mean, just at age nine, going through such a huge loss and then coming through it with this, it's so beautiful. So I'd love to kind of just like learn more about, I mean, I know that you have, you know, I want to get into the funeral planning checklist and like what items you think should be on everyone's list, but I know that you guys offer so much more. So how does it work? Like, let's say I wanted to go on and just for myself, right? And just have that like pre-planned. You mentioned there's so many, I didn't even think about like passwords to social accounts and and just anything like, like that at all. So that's incredible that you guys incorporate all that. But it sounds like it's super customized. Is it a platform that does that for you? Are you working with someone specifically? What are the costs associated with it? Like, how does this work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So really, there are like three different use cases that people come to us for. One is, as you said, you know, planning for the future for yourself. Um, and that could be you could be a 27 year old with no reason in the world to think you're dying anytime soon. But you're you're thinking about getting your things in order. Maybe you're having a kid or you bought a house or getting married. Um, you've experienced the loss of someone else and you're just realizing the importance of it. The second use case is you're planning for somebody else. We do see a lot of times um, Folks who are, are more, you know, comfortable with digital solutions, uh, helping their parents or their grandparents plan for themselves, and then the third is an immediate need. So someone has died, and now you're actually navigating that process in real time. On the the pre-planning side, we walk people through end to end all the legal, financial, logistical, and you know, emotional considerations around planning for yourself or for someone else. So that could be, you know, the things that I think people typically expect, which is like wills and trusts. It can also be advanced care planning. So, you know, how, how do you want to be cared for at your end of life or if you're not able to speak for yourself? And then, you know, as we said, like your digital legacy, what happens to your Instagram and your TikTok if you die? There's a lot of elements I think that we forget in, in future planning uh, that somebody else will have to take care of on your behalf. Um, so, there's uh, this is a way to really handle as much as you possibly can and hand over a gift to your loved ones that is. Here, I've given you the gift of time, the gift of you know, less anxiety, the the gift of organization, so that you can you can focus on your grief and on, on your mental emotional health. Um, which oftentimes, without these plans in place, your loved ones end up uh, spending the first few months after you die just trying to keep their head above water, whether that be you know financially or you know dealing with probate. Or <laughs> there are a lot of things that can keep people into hundreds of hours worth of work after you're gone.
0: Yeah. And so how does that work? Like, um, in terms of cost, like, it's just a custom cost? Is there a base fee? Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, for pre-planning, it is, we have a free version of the platform, and then we have a premium version. The premium version is $149. I will just flag for those listening, if you have an employer who is generous with benefits, we do offer Lantern through um, employee benefits. So a lot of employers will give Lantern for free to their employees. So it's worth asking for.
0: Wow. And it's a one-time cost?
1: Yeah, we have the $149 as a, as a one-time cost, and then um, and then we just have a small maintenance fee just for like the storage of that information. So part of the benefit of doing a, a digital plan is that you have secure storage of all of that information for as long as you need it. And so we store all of those documents um, and have a digital beneficiary associated with that account. So if something happens to you, uh, that person will be able to gain access to that information.
0: Interrupting this podcast to tell you about Hilary Pearlson, Akashic Records reader, intuitive guide, and founder of The Dreamery, who is sharing a limited time offer to join the Akashic Portal as a founding member for the fullest community. For those new to the Akashic Records, you can think of them as an energetic library or archive filled with everything that Every soul has ever thought, said, and done over the course of its existence, from past lives to present life and all future possibilities. The Akashic Portal is your comprehensive guide to co-creating with the Akashic Records. Part course, part community, this is the grounded foundation and support you need to enter openly into the Akashic Records and create the kind of connection, clarity, and experience you've been looking for. Every step of the portal pathway is intentionally designed to prepare you and guide you into the limitless miracles and possibilities that exist in your everyday life. Join now to become a founding member and receive 50% off the Akashic Portal with code THEFULLEST. Learn more at thedreamery.com forward slash portal. That's the D R E A M E R I E dot com forward slash portal. Code the fullest for 50% off. I think it's really interesting talking about pre planning because it's something that you can do with loved ones as well. Like, let's say I wanted to you know, do this with my parents before that there is any sort of diagnosis or before anything. So you can, it's not necessarily as difficult of a conversation, like it's always going to be difficult, but it's like probably a little less because it's still this thing or this point in the future that you don't necessarily feel like it's happening right now, but you feel that you can work towards. So I'm curious if it's something that people gift to each other, like other than an employer doing.
1: Yeah. So what we typically see in those cases is somebody will create a plan for themselves and then they will encourage like family members, friends to also create their own plans. You can actually have multiple plans within your account so you can continue to purchase pre-plans and and store them individually within, within one system. So it makes it a lot easier for families particularly that... Um, we're kind of trying to keep everything in order, but I mean, I love the idea of, of giving it to someone. I think that's a really beautiful and amazing thing. I, yeah, I would, I would love, I haven't heard somebody do that, but, uh, it just means they haven't <laughs> sent me an email saying they have, but I am sure it happens.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I need to do this. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's just really interesting. I I'm curious how you know, it's such a tough topic for so many people. How do you get the word out? And is it typically word of mouth? Like you mentioned, it's like someone doing it, feeling really great about it and sharing it. Or, you know, how do you share about it with others? And with how do you get on the B2B side, like work with different organizations?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the pre-planning and the after loss side of the platform are are pretty different. So the second part that we didn't talk about yet is, is, you know, in the immediate need when something happens. We have a self-service platform that walks you through day by day everything you need to know from you know, all the aspects of funeral planning to navigating benefits, social security, figuring out how to find a lost life insurance policy, change a car title, close a Facebook account, You're know, like truly anything you can imagine that would come up. Um, and then we have a concierge service that goes along with that. So you can hire a consultant who can quite literally change the car title for you at the DMV or close that Instagram account or, you know, help to stop prescriptions coming from CVS and just take all that stuff off your plate. So, the way people hear about it typically, I mean, a lot of it is word of mouth, Google search. We we have pretty strong SEO on our platform, so we do get a lot of people that just sort of stumble upon us as they're searching for this kind of information. We are doing a lot of really interesting collaborations recently. So one of them is with Zola, the wedding site. Um, and so we're working on, um, we did sort of an initial launch and we're watching a whole a whole bunch of other amazing things, some some content videos uh, around uh, grief and weddings, and then and pre-planning after weddings. So part of it is just you know around what it's like to deal with you know grief and loss while you're wedding planning and and during your wedding. A lot of like tips and guidance and and just sharing experiences, storytelling. And then on the other side of it, you know, how important it is after you get married to put these plans in place and make sure you're prepared. And so that's like we're we're definitely, as I mentioned early on in the podcast, is like a lot of what we've been doing is trying to to step out of the sort of expected areas where this topic comes up. Because the reality is, is that end of life and grief infiltrates every part of a human's life. There is no corner of it where it doesn't exist. And once you've lost someone, anyone listening that has lost someone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like your wedding day or the day your baby's born or the day you buy a house or anything exciting and happy does not have that tinge of of grief experience alongside it. it. It becomes a part of who you are. and so we've realized that you know, we can't just exist in this one category. We can't just be existing in you know funeral homes and hospice care. It really has to be a part of our regular lives. And in order to, to best accomplish our goal of, of normalizing this conversation, we have to start talking about it once you're 18. The second you turn 18, you should start doing an end-of-life plan. It should be something you update every year. It should be something that your that families discuss regularly. It doesn't have to be sad and depressing. And honestly, it isn't if you're doing it in a in a regular way, when it becomes sad and depressing is when you do it when someone is dying. That is incredibly challenging. And for whatever reason, up until this point, that's kind of been the time where we've decided is when you should be doing your end of life plans. Um, And it is far more challenging when you're doing it then.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I love that, uh, that you're encouraging people to do it as soon as they turn 18. I think that's so important. And having a collaboration though with Zola makes so much sense. You know, you're getting married and there's a, company that I recently launched that I just started um, looking into and potentially working with in there called little honey money. And it's actually like a baby registry website for moms and babies to get like the care that they need postpartum as well as, you know, whatever the baby needs. But I think that's also, again, another milestone that would encourage people to start doing the end of life planning. So that's exciting that you guys are doing stuff like that. And I, I'd love to connect you with them as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I, we're definitely looking to do kind of in a similar vein to what we're doing with Zola with, you know, anything from, you know, buying a home, having a baby, uh, uh, dating, like there are so many different areas where this comes up. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we're, we're very, very open and excited to to discuss it. Because, you know, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be so guarded about this topic. And I think a lot of times we think that, you know, talking, the fear of talking about death or the fear of death in general is like a human condition. And the reality is, is it's, it's really like an American condition. <laughs> um, there are uh, many cultures all over the world that are, very open and comfortable with talking about this very real reality. I mean, it's just as natural and normal as birth, and we need to provide the same level of respect and support for it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So I know we talked about this, but like why do you think our culture has taken this long to think more proactively about death than like other cultures?
1: You know, I I think it's largely just been, um, we've treated it very much as a... A negative as something that we are meant to avoid or to defeat in some way. I, I believe a lot of that is largely driven by how our, our, our healthcare systems work. And um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of doctors and we're working in some healthcare systems, and I'm, I'm learning. You know, it's starting to change, and there's a lot of really incredible like medical professionals who are, are trying to change this as well. But you know, even when you're in medical school you're typically taught, you know, you keep people alive at all costs and that's, that's your job. And if somebody dies, it's a failure to that, that medical intervention or that system. And first of all, that's, insane pressure on a healthcare professional to assume yeah. that like you have to keep everybody alive right because it's impossible yeah. like you, you can't um and and it's it's not a failure as long as you've done you know, everything that you that you can and that the person hopefully died in the way that they they wanted to like that's the ideal situation and you know i think yeah i, I dying well is a huge thing that uh, i'm deeply passionate about and we can get into that more but yeah. Yeah, I think when we have this mentality that it's keep people alive at all costs, it's you know there's so much money being sunken into the idea of of living forever, <laughs> you know, especially in Silicon Valley and not enough time being spent on, okay, well, you know, maybe at some point, Possibly, there could be a world where we, you know, live longer, or you know, in a dream world, live forever, or whatever it is. But that's not the case now, and it's not the case anytime soon, and it's certainly not going to be the case for people that don't have a lot of wealth. And so, we need to be really focused on on what's happening now and how to take care of people um, as they experience something incredibly natural.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, even you know, the wellness industry, right? We're promoting quality of life and longevity, and again, it's like, you know, stay alive at all costs, right? Mm -hmm. So this, you know, idea of dying well, like, what does that mean to you?
1: Um, Well, I mean, the term dying well, it has a lot of different definitions. But I mean, generally, people tend to be like, Oh, you know, you're you're old you are it's peaceful it's not painful it's at home it's surrounded by loved ones it's hearing your favorite music it's you know it's it's there's a a sense of you know generally when you ask people they're like i hope i die in my sleep right like you know you have this idea of like what it is and you know in the us it's really kind of wild is that eight in ten people say they want to they want to die at home but only twenty percent of people actually do And that's largely because there is a huge lack of Advanced care directives, there's a lack of access to hospice and an awareness of those uh, those services available to you. Um, there's a lack of end-of-life caregiving alternatives. So we find that you know a lot of people they don't end up being able to die the way that they want to. They haven't had the had that information in place or even known that they were supposed to. Um, and also a lot of times people, even if they do have you know advanced care directives and these things in order, the healthcare professionals and their family members aren't even aware of it. They don't know that you've done it, they don't know where. Stored. I mean, I with my grandmother, she had information that was on a printed piece of paper in a hall closet inside of a plastic bin. Like you know, when she died, how was I supposed to know that I was there? Uh, it becomes uh, it becomes something you find out later, and and honestly, is is something I think a lot of people feel really heavy guilt around is having to make. End of life decisions for someone they love without knowing what they actually wanted—it's a very challenging thing. And then, of course, like you can't—you can't deny in the in the dying well aspect—a huge component of this is you know gun violence and police brutality and the opioid epidemic. And there are a lot of people that are not afforded the opportunity or the option to die the way that they want to, and largely uh, impacting communities of color. And so, you know, you can't—you'd be remiss to not mention that it's not just about the documentation, there's also, you know, this entire other element of our our systems that are in place.
0: Oh, I know, it's, it's so devastating. And I'm curious, like, what is it that you feel? I know that I like I was on your social media, and you shared a little bit about that, like the numbers are just not equal, you know, Mm -hmm. So, what do you how do you feel like lantern can kind of come in and support that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is, you know, normalizing the conversation, as we said. So trying, trying to reach into you know different communities and and you know different elements of our culture, you know, through like movies, television, celebrities, like whoever you know, you're listening to and and learning from, being able to really open up and and talk about this topic. You know, I I uh, was recently chatting with um, the actress Billy Lord, who is you know absolutely amazing and she She was talking about how you know stories about death and grief and loss uh, need to be elevated. In, in hollywood and how important it is for the normalization of these conversations for culture as a whole you know that's that's an incredibly important element and then in terms of what you know lantern can really control it's about access it's about uh, making sure that what we're offering is it's easy it's motivating it's affordable um, and 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 pleasant in some ways you know I, as i said like if you if you're doing this at a time where you know it This you don't feel like you're on like a ticking clock. It can be a really pleasant experience. And when we talk about wellness, it's not just you know financial wellness. It's also and wellness for people that you care for. But it's also there's a lot of research about how acknowledging your own mortality can actually make you a happier person. And so how do we help people to see that um, this doesn't have to be a miserable time consuming like trudge my way through it kind of experience that can actually be an opportunity to really reflect on you know what you want for yourself what you want for your family what you want your great great grandchildren to know about you what do you want to teach people and then also how do you want to spend your time how do you who do you want to spend it with Um, what do you want to be doing Uh, it's so important to to really like continue to check in on yourself and i think we've built the lantern pre-plan to be, you know, of course, yes, there are legal documents and financial decisions to make, but it's also about, you know, thinking about who you want to be and, and, and how you want to, to leave your loved ones.
0: I'm curious, like what you recommend in terms of funeral planning and like the checklist that you guys provide and, and also just like how long the process takes. Obviously it's different for people, whether they have a business that they need to um, figure out what what's gonna happen to their home, to their children, to pets. Like, you know, it depends on what you have to, you know, leave over. But I'm curious like how long the process typically takes.
1: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's highly, highly dependent on on a person's situation. Um, and also, you know, how much, you know, on the after loss side, how much pre-planning the person has done. So the more pre-planning you do, the less time there is on on the back end after you're gone. Generally with a pre-plan, it's really kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, you can make it as detailed or as few, little information as you want. And there's That's kind of the hard part, right, of, of end-of-life planning is there's no, there's no legal obligation to do any of this. It's really about how you want to leave things for your loved ones and, and how you want to be cared for for yourself at your end of life. And so the way we've designed it is really you can chip away at it over time. It's not something that you have to sit down and do all of it in one day. I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I don't have enough time in this day or this week or this month to get this done. Um, and so we really have designed it to be very bite-sized pieces, very digestible, uh, easy to come back and finish later. Um, so you could say, okay, I have 20 minutes right now between two meetings. I'm going to you know, just jump through a couple of questions. Most of it is multiple choice. Um, you can always go back and continue to develop it out over time. So that was a, a very important thing for us as making sure that it it didn't it didn't feel like you had these huge chunks of information that you had to fill in. And if you look at other sites or you know, you work with an estate planner, that's a lot of times how it comes off. It's like you get asked these huge, like life altering questions, you know, like what what do you want to have happen to your body after you die? And if you hear that question, you're like, oh my gosh, like I what are my options? How much do they cost? Like uh, what is the environmental impact? What do other people choose? You know, like, all these things happen in your mind. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I can't deal with this. I can't do this right now. Totally. And so instead we have taken little pieces of the process. So like simple things like, have you decided what you want done with your body after you die? And you can be like, no, I haven't decided that yet. I'll come back to it. Okay, you haven't decided. Here are some of the more common things that people choose. So you want to select one of these and then you can learn more about them if you want to and just really helping people to slowly develop that perspective and opinion as you go. So it, it really does make it a huge difference. Um, and then on the afterlaw side, I mean the average, there's so many different numbers that get thrown around. We estimate the average person takes about 168 hours to do all of the things themselves after somebody dies. Uh, of course, if you utilize like a concierge service, like what Lantern offers, you can chip away at those hours and hand those off to someone else. But it is, it, it's it's quite a lot. I mean, it's like taking on another full-time job.
0: Wow, so 168 hours when using Lantern, but you chip away at it little by little.
1: 168 hours if you do it completely on your own so oh, okay. through a, yeah. through our, our self-serve product um, there are some sites that estimate it can take up to 500 hours to get yeah. everything done um, so i mean and the reality the reality is is it's really just like how much help do you have and how complex is the estate you know there are a lot of different factors that go into yeah. it
0: but i mean 168 isn't like that bad if you're pre-planning and you take it over time and you just kind of sign up and you chip at it little by little like you could get it done in a year
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and and on the pre-planning side you know it's it it doesn't have to take that long it's really just a matter of how detailed you want to be it's really after a death that you get a lot of the like intensive long hours of work because you're dealing with things like Calling the DMV, right? Like if anyone has ever tried to get in touch with the DMV, like good luck to you. Um, totally. and, um, and you know, and that's just one piece of this of the process. And so our our lantern guides, that's exactly what they do, is they say, okay, um, you know, you handle. Um, you know, talking to the the funeral home, and I'll take on contacting the DMV and um, and you know closing all of these social media accounts. And you're able to kind of choose how involved you want your consultant to be with you. Um, they can quite literally do everything, or they can just take off. You know, certain pieces that you just don't want to deal with.
0: Wow. And what if you like? Just out of curiosity, what have you seen like when people? Let's say own their own business. You guys offer different ways to support. Like you mentioned, you said a business can work with you by um, offering this as an option um, in terms of benefits for their employees. Then you also work with businesses. uh, What is it like a bereavement plan? Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, so we work with employers um, to help them. Well, first of all, we provide Lantern as a benefit to their employees. And then we also help them with like their bereavement policies, procedures, um, making sure they have all their resources in place, training their management to, to navigate the loss of an employee or an employee losing someone they love. So yeah, we get we get really in the weeds with our, our employer yeah. partners.
0: And then... Um... What about like sole proprietors on your platform and like options for their business? Like how does that how do you offer that
1: yeah so usually um, like we have we have a set of questions that are associated with that but usually you cover a lot of that information when you work on your will that is a, a big component um, we usually recommend that people have you know they they outline their wishes for their business and their will and then they also make sure that beneficiary has access to, um all the necessary contacts so actually i had this conversation recently with a friend who's a, a therapist and she was saying you know in her will she has a list of all of her clients And she has gone to each of those clients and said, hey, if you hear from this person, it means something has happened to me. So that it's very clear that uh, all of the people that she works with know and and are properly taken care of. And so, yeah, that's a highly organized business owner. (laughs) But um, yes, but. But I mean,
0: her clients, she's in a business where her clients need support and she doesn't want to leave them hanging. And then all of a sudden she's like abandoned them. If they have an abandonment wound, then it's like a whole, you know, or whatever, like people need to know. Um, Because there are a lot of people that are working on their own and, you know, have an amazing consulting career or freelancing or whatever. And that's really important. Even like, for example, my children, they both have Um, genetic conditions and their endocrinologist um, ended up closing his practice. And obviously, so I was able to get that email, but what if something had happened to them and um, to him, the doctor, and then, you know, I'm like, uh, I need to have a specialist because this is a deadly condition, you know? Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's also, you know, another component too, right? of, Of doing your end of life planning is, is around, guardianship and making sure that, you know, whomever would take care of your kids if something happened to you, that they have all the doctor's information and, you know, allergies and medications and making sure that all of that information is outlined as well. I mean, the the uh, the gift of knowledge is, is not to be, um, yeah. So it's it's incredibly incredibly important, and I also just like flag too because you know, we're we're a venture backed company, and I I tend to get on my soapbox with our our investors about how they should be requiring any of the people they invest in to have an end of life plan. Yeah, because yeah, I mean there's. I don't think people realize that their equity, that their business can get tied up in a probate process. Like there is no shortage of things that can happen other than of course is the devastation of having, you know, a founder or anybody on a team die, but then dealing with what could be years of legal complications. Yeah, you have to be you have to be really like clear about what it is that you want.
0: Yeah. I I love that. Um so you know, if there's one message that you could leave listeners around taking control of their end of life, like, what would that be?
1: Um, you know, I think uh, it's really two parts. So one is, I think, like, the phrase estate planning is a pretty terrible name. Um, it sort of makes people assume that you have to own, quite literally own an estate <laughs> in order to do it. Um, you, everybody should be doing it, whether you have, tens of millions of dollars or a dollar to your name. And then second, you know, that's what I was saying before, that it doesn't have to be a sad, complicated, or even unpleasant process. And uh, we, I hear, especially from like young parents, that they've actually had some fun with it by, you know, leaving humorous notes, writing inside jokes, adding photos to their plan that would make their loved ones laugh. Like it's, it can be a really meaningful thing. And you know, I, I always get like a little bit emotional thinking about you know, with when my dad passed away, like he had his legal documents in order, but he didn't do anything around his like history or his legacy. And so I've lived my life not having much other than what people tell me about him and like what I would give to have, you know, a recording of his voice, sharing stories, or to hear how he felt the day he proposed to my mom, or or what he was thinking the day I was born. Like this is all stuff that I'll just never know. Um, and so I think for, for parents, especially like, I, I think that probably would speak to speak to you. Um, but it, it's, it's totally. such an important part of this process.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Well, I mean, I'm totally tearing up from that. So <laughs> thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I really appreciate you coming on. I love your story. I love what you've created. I think it's so necessary and. And like you said it's it affects us all and it's something that we should all be doing whether you're a founder of a venture-backed company like you mentioned or a sole proprietor or um, just someone with a family someone who even you know maybe your family has passed but all you have is a pet like you know you still need to think about you still need to think about that and so i really appreciate you having it be your mission to share this with people make it easier to do that because it is so overwhelming and to have a platform that just guides you through it and makes it easy and like you mentioned allows the opportunity and encourages you to have little sweet notes like that and whether that's a voice note or images that you can share, that's that's incredible. And I'm so inspired by what you've created. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Nikki. I really appreciate it.